Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Uh, we started off this whole missions month, and even prior to that, we talked about this year's theme is shine. And this is something that we get directly from the book of Matthew, chapter 5. When you look at verse 14 through 17, or 14 through 16, you realize that Jesus says that we are to shine in this dark world and that we are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And so that's going to be the theme for the whole year, all the way up to probably uh, August of next year, 2021. And then we'll have another theme coming up in the new season in September 2021. So with this idea of shine, uh, we once a year we spend one month just to focus on mission. And this is part of our name. This is who we are. We're all about God's mission. We're not a country club. We're not here going to church so we can hang out and have a good time. But we are on a mission. We welcome all of you who are here for the first time and those of you who have been joining us more recently. But something that I always say is that if you're comfortable in our church, something's wrong. Because the gospel, number one, is very offensive. Number two is that if you understand the gospel, it will challenge you to get out of your comfort zone. You have to. And you just have to look at the Bible and see what the early disciples did and the early followers of Jesus Christ, and you realize that they literally transformed the world because they have been transformed with this gospel message. And that's why we've been talking about this month in November with the the sermon series called Upside Down. We talked about this upside down life. The call that Jesus has for us, inviting us to live a life that's completely flipped around from what the world values. You know what the sad part is? That many of us in this room, we live just like the world. It doesn't mean that you you don't have to have the gadgets like the world. Like, oh, I'm not like the world, so I'm going to use a rotary phone. Some of you don't even know what that is. It's okay. That's not what we're talking about. Or I cannot dress well, or I cannot do this or do that. That's not what it means not being of the world or being different from the world. But it's about values, decisions you make, the perspective that you have. So we talked about that in that first week, in the first Sunday of November, about that upside-down life. Last week, we heard from Pastor Bo this idea of just this upside-down perspective that's completely different from the world. If some of us had a hard time with that message, that just shows that you, your thought process, your mindset, your perspective is like the world. That has to be transformed. The way we look at things, the way we look at people, the way we look at our situation, it has to be from the gospel lens. Today, as I talk about this third part, I'm going to challenge us to think about the community that we're in right now, whether it's life group, for most of you, because you're part of a life group, or for some of us who just come on Sunday for now, that I'm challenging you to think about the community in your life, because I want to talk about the upside-down community. I want to show you this picture. I'm wondering how many of you know who this person is. I would guess maybe one, maybe zero of you in this room know who this person is because I don't even know who this is and I read quite a bit throughout history I love history I'm like who is this guy his name is 
Bill Wilson. He's not a household name like Steve Jobs or Warren Buffett or Michael Jordan, but he literally impacted and transformed the world even to this day. He was born in 1895, just right around the turn of the 20th century. And that was a time of the Industrial Revolution. And it was during that time where the Roaring Twenties, he went through that. He went through World War I and World War II, ended up passing away in the 1970s. The thing about Bill Wilson is that he experienced an addiction that literally paralyzed him just in all aspects. He was in bondage. And through some series of events, what, he, what happened was he actually came up with a program that some of you probably, and I would say majority of you, 90% of you probably heard of this program. And in fact, this program is used not just for one particular addiction, but for many others. So what I wanted to do is show you this quick video about him so you get a better idea. And I want you to listen as you watch this video about what it is that brought him to that point of, if you will, deliverance. And we will talk through this as we talk about the upside down community. Let's watch this together. How many of you guys heard of Alcoholics Anonymous? Okay. Uh, some of you are still clueless to what it is. It's a very popular 12-step program that they have for people who are addicted to alcohol or alcoholics. And it's out of that 12-step program that a lot of other addictions are addressed. And it's really interesting, one of the first tenets of that 12-step is to acknowledge that there's a higher being and that you cannot save yourself. You cannot help try to fight this addiction by yourself. I'm wondering, what is it that you're addicted to? And what battles are you trying to fight on your own? In a size this big, I would say many of you probably struggle with pornography. Some of you who are in relationships, you are probably struggling with uh, sexual temptation. Some of you are addicted to video games. I mean, literally, computer games, whatever it may be. Like, you cannot do anything without first playing. And it's totally messing up your schedule. You sleep really late at night. And you got to wake up early morning to go to work or to go to classes. And you're late for that. For some of you, it's YouTube. All the heads are down now. Did you know that they put something in the Korean dramas to make you addicted? It's called Next Episode. <laughs> it could be your studies. Some of us are workaholics. It could be your work. It is anything that captures your heart and puts you in bondage that you cannot say no to in your own will or power. So it could be anything. Food. That's why a lot of people struggle with food addiction. 
and things like anorexia, bulimia. It goes on and on. So the focus should not be what that thing is that you're addicted to, but you have to understand the why. And I've said this many times before, but one of the greatest tools that Satan uses to put people, especially Christ followers, in bondage is that they put, he puts them in isolation. There's no accountability. You're removed from community. Or even if when you do go to community, you're just very surface level. And I'm telling you right now, you do that for like a month. After a while, you don't want to even go to life group anymore. You're not going to have any desire to read the Bible. The Bible tells us that Satan is an ancient serpent. That means that he's been around for a long time. That means that he's been doing this for a very long time. So he knows exactly where our weaknesses are. He knows you inside out. He knows exactly what situations and the person or people around you to put you in a place will cause you to continue to be in the same cycle over and over and over again. And he isolates you. That's why I would not be surprised if we took an anonymous survey right now, how many of you are struggling, and I could start listing different things, and I would say all of us in this room, we will have to say, confess. That this is the reason why we talk about this community, this biblical community, this transformative community that could change your life forever. And for some of us, we believe it because our lives have been transformed or it is transforming. For, for some of us, we're just playing because it's a good church thing to do or you don't want to look bad. So what happens is that you start living a dichotomized life. There's a church life and there's your own life. And if those two worlds collide, you're going to be very embarrassed. And that's why you try to keep it separate. There is this tremendous need for us to understand an upside-down community that will transform the world. And the person who started it, when we think about throughout history, it was Jesus Christ when he called his disciples to follow him. I want to, it's okay. I want you to look. Just think about what Jesus did and what he was offering to his disciples. And as we just saw that video, it's amazing how movements starts with people who are passionate about something that they've experienced that they want every person to experience themselves. That's how life group grows. It's not some kind of strategy. It's not some kind of like cool activity. Your life has to be transformed. That's the same way with church. A church grows not because of one person or because of this one thing. A church grows because lives are changing. They're experiencing something that they haven't experienced before. And then they start talking about it. They start sharing with some of their friends. 
Because the thing that they struggle with and the thing that God is helping them through it, it doesn't mean you're going to completely overcome it. But as God is helping you through it by his grace, you're sharing those things with other people. And that is the thing that draws people. They're like, what is going on? And they want to find out. So they'll, as you invite them, they will come, whether on Sunday or to a life group, to some kind of activity. And from there, as they get a little taste of it and see that the Lord is good, then they will want to come. And as they do that, God transforms their life. That's why when I think about our church back in 1996 on the University of Michigan, when we started that church there, my wife and I, we, we had this dream. What would it be like to be a first century church, just like the book of Acts, in the 20th, uh, 21st century? What would that look like? Times are different, culture is different, but the biblical principles are the same. What would that look like? Because we ourselves, we experienced God powerfully during our college years. So naturally, as we have experienced this, as we were trying to make decisions about future, about all these major, all these different things, as God met us powerfully, we wanted that for other people. That's why we didn't start a church in one of these global cities, reaching out to like families, even though we always had a heart for that. But we reached out to college students because our lives were transformed when we were in college. That's why our heartbeat is still for the college students. Now, of course, I'm a little bit older and uh, still trying to keep up. Different, different generation. Gen Z is like, wow, they're way Z'd out, way out there. But all I can say is this. We believe that this is one of the most important times of your life. Same with those of you who are still young as a single adult, as you're working. Very important stage. And I'm hoping that our church, as it begins to grow, that we'll also grow together in age. As we see some of you get married and have children. And then we could be a senior citizen together. Well, I'll be much older than you. That would be great. And those of you who don't know, we just simply started with nine people in our apartment. Two-bedroom apartment. Well, so I will never say apartments are small ever again in the United States because they're like mansions compared to apartments here. But back then, it was so small. We thought it was so small. And right there in our living room space there, we started our church, casting the vision. What would it look like to start a church that's a first century church right now in the 21st century as we're heading into the year 2000? And we wanted them to experience transformation. We wanted them to experience the gospel. And so that through that, they will go and they will transform the world. That was our heart. That was our desire. And it was amazing because out of this small group of committed people in community, we literally saw our church begin to grow. And of course, with growth comes a lot of problems. There's different issues that come, but we began to see people's lives being transformed, and then other people came and their lives were being transformed. We're having baptisms every single year. People were experiencing Jesus in a powerful way. We saw people getting discipled. And they were getting trained. We raised up pastors. People felt this call to be a pastor. And that's another thing that I feel 
something that is totally different even here in Hong Kong or just in Asia. That being called to be a pastor is like this negative thing. I don't think so. I get to meet people. I get to network. I get to travel, of course, on mission. I've seen the world. I've communicated and spoken to thousands and thousands of people. This is the best life. And somewhere along the line, some of us think to ourselves like, no, not really, because it doesn't fit into my paradigm. And please, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that all of you have to be a pastor. You're not a a Christian, all right? That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes God will call us to different things. You could be a pastor in the marketplace or missionary in the marketplace. But what I'm looking for and what I'm praying that God would do is, Lord, capture our hearts so that everything that we do will be for your glory. It doesn't matter what it is. It's why you do it. I'm a pastor. That's just the what. But why I do it, it's different. That's why I could go into business. I can go into anything and still do the why. This is just an avenue to do my why. From there, as pastors were being raised, we started planning churches in different cities, different campuses, and we just started seeing people, more people coming to know Jesus Christ. And I think just for the last 24 years, it's, it's 24 years, it's been 24 years where we have seen lives being transformed and people transforming the world. And this is the greatest joy that we see in our lives. And that's what I'm praying for right here in Hong Kong. So as we talk about some of these things and we'll kind of talk about the city reaching next week with Susanna Ma we want to encourage you once again as Pastor Bo mentioned come early and let's greet her and just show the love of Christ our HMCC VIP style can I get a good amen to that all right Uh, that's 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 who we are doesn't matter if it's like a homeless person or someone with a lot of credentials we love on them and let them feel that they're special in our community And as we look ahead, we're going to talk about reaching the world, nations, as we close out the missions month. So we got to start here. We talked about the upside-down life, what that looks like. We talked about the upside-down perspective, the mindset that we need. Now I want to talk about community, because if we don't get this right, then we're not going to be able to reach the city nor the nations. That's why this is a very important message. So let me give us the one thing. The one thing is simply this. Don't just be connected, and the key word is to community, right? So don't just be connected to community. Many of us are just connected to community. But the point that I want to make is, but be committed in community. So don't just be connected to community, but be committed in community. As we go beyond just being connected to community, I'm going to highlight two things for us, and I'm going to kind of look at different verses and not just one passage. So 
hopefully you can understand what I'm trying to get here. There, there are two things that we must be committed to in community. The first thing is this. We have to be committed to the great commandment. We have to be committed to the great commandment. What is the great commandment? Those of you who might not know, you probably heard this before, but you might not know exactly what it is. It is a reference to a story in the Bible where there were some religious leaders that were confronted, or they were actually confronting Jesus. And one of them happened to be a lawyer, and he's the one who brought it up to Jesus. And he's asking, like, with all the different things, all the laws, which of them are the greatest? Or which of them is the greatest? Pick one. And Jesus simply says, uh, you know, out of these commandments, the ones that God gave to Moses, the Ten Commandments, he says, this is the greatest one. And what is the greatest one? He proceeds by answering the summary of the law, all the laws that were given to the Jewish people and the teaching of the prophets that was given as command. He broke it up into two parts. So the great commandment is broken into a twofold part. And this story appears three times in the New Testament. It appears in Matthew chapter 22, verse 35 to 40, Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through 34, and Luke chapter 10, verse 27a. And you'll see this in these three Gospels. I want to focus in on the Matthew passage. So let's look at it together. This is what it says here in Matthew chapter 22, uh, verse 35 through 40. It says this, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love your Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So the two major components of the great commandments simply is, as you look at this, the two components are, first, loving God. The first part of the great commandment comes from this Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And let me read it for you. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5, it says this. This is God speaking to Moses and the Israelite people. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your might. What this is known, and it's, some of you might not understand this, but in the Old Testament, especially when you meet Jewish people, they will know what this is. In the Old Testament, this is known as the Shema. Everyone say Shema. The Shema simply is translated in Hebrew as to hear. That's why he says, O hear, O Israel. The reason why this is significant is that every good Jewish person will recite this every single day. This is a daily recital of this phrase. The Lord our God is one, and to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and to love him. And you'll see in other translations, they add even strength. So the Shema was spoken constantly not only for themselves, but they were recited. Because this was like their profession of faith. This was their declaration. Why was this important? Because they were entering into a land where there were many gods. 
And God knew that they were going to wander away and, with idols. So he says, to say this, to hear, O Israel, that the Lord our God is one, that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and our minds, or hearts. Why is this important? Because it's about loving God with our whole being. How do you do this in a context of community? I think by committing ourselves in community, then we're able to grow deeper in our relationship with God. Can I give you the two extremes? Some of you don't care about community. You got It's my relationship with God. I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to really grow. Straight up. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you're not going to grow. <laughs> do, you know, do you know why I say that? Do you, know why, do you know why I say that? How in the world do you do the one another's? Love one another. <laughs> Serve one another. Like how in the world can you practice a lot of these scriptures when you're just by yourself? You can't. That's why those of you who are introverted and nothing wrong with introversion, those of you who are in many ways, I think it's more self-centered or maybe you've been hurt. You isolate yourself. I guarantee, I don't care how many times you read the Bible, how many times you pray, you are not going to grow. You will grow somewhat, but you're not going to grow in the fullness that God has for you. This is the reason why we keep on saying church does not happen on Sunday, but it happens in life group. Church is not a building. Church is not a place. Church is not where you give your weekly dues and then you live your own life. It's about people. It's about being in community. This is why sometimes on Tuesday or Wednesday, you're tired from work. Sometimes you don't want to go. Sometimes you're busy with midterms and other things. And don't take this to the other extreme as well and say that, oh, if I miss it, then I'm a bad Christian. That's not what we're saying either. Some of you have that kind of mindset. But what you're saying is that this is so much of who I am in my walk with God, and I need this, that you still commit to it. I'm amazed at how busy you are, and you still have time for Korean drama. I'm still amazed that, you know, you're really busy and tired, but all of a sudden you have time to watch YouTube or go on video games. All it's amazing to me. That's why when, when I hear inconsistency, I'm like, dude, hmm. You will always make time for what is important. I've been getting on some of, some of these brothers' cases about soap. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot. I forgot. You will never say that about food. <laughs> Liar. You will never say that about your hobby, something you like. Liar. You make time for what is important to you. So don't tell me it's important. I look at your actions and it tells me what's important to you. This is our bread. This is our life. It sustains us. How can you go weeks without allowing God to speak to you? Once again, it's not saying that if you don't read the Bible, you're going to fall away. You're bad, Christian. Bad, bad. No. There are times when I don't read it. 
I'm done. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm leaving this church. The pastor doesn't even read the Bible. I didn't even look at the Bible to prepare this. I'm just kidding. <laughs> now you should really leave, okay? Sometimes I don't read it every day. There's a day I miss. But the thing is that you start feeling it like, man, I need God. I need His Word. Or we go to the other extreme. Where it's all about people. That you don't have a personal time with God. Only in life group. Only on Sunday. Only at activity. That's your spiritual life. Do you read the Bible? No, I just want to listen to sermons. I'm going to die one day. Pastor Bo is going to die one day. Your favorite preacher will die one day. Some of you are going to move away. Some of you are going to be isolated. You're going to be, you're going to be surrounded by penguins and, uh, I don't know, raccoons. And you're going to be like, where is the sermon? I am not growing. Read your Bible. Spend time with God. Stop depending so much on activities and events and life group, even though that's important. So you got to avoid the two extremes. So you got to be in the word, spending time with God, but yet being in community because you cannot fully grow if you're not in community. This is how, why God says to love the Lord your God. with. So every fiber of our being, we're loving God. I was just thinking about this and I realized this is the reason why who you hang out with really determine where you end up. I'm a firm believer of this. There's some of you who are so influential, I could stick you anywhere, you'll change that whole atmosphere. But that's rare. You got to be like anointed. You got to have something. You got to have something not more than charisma. You got to have like God. You could be in any place. You could be a place with Satan worshipers and they're all going to be worshiping Jesus after it's done. There are people like that. But one thing I would say is this. The people that you hang around with is where your sometimes your destiny will be. So think about this. Those people you hang out with, they love eating at two in the morning. I don't know why. They just somehow hear McDonald's calling them. Come. Those the arches, those are two hands. So they come. And then they're your friends, so you're like, okay. So you eat at 2 in the morning or 1 in the morning, I don't know, 12 o'clock at night. You just eat because you guys, that, that's what, guess what's going to happen to you? I don't even talk about it. You know what's going to happen to you. In the same way, you hang out with people who are very healthy. They like to exercise. They eat pretty well, like healthy. You hang out with them. After a while, you're going to start being healthy. So if there are people who are not reading the Bible, who are not growing, that you're not actually talking about the things of God, the mission of God, how can we come together and transform the world? Like the, our class or our group of friends, we want to make a difference for Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't have those kinds of people, you're not going to do it. That's why loving God is not just a me and God thing, but you need other people in community to help you, to spur you on to be able to love people. I pray that you will find those people and that God will give those people 
into your life. Not only loving God, but loving people. That's the second part of the great commandment. The second part, it comes also from the Old Testament. It's from Leviticus 19, verse 17 through 18. Listen to what it says. It says, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take revenge or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is where the second part of the great commandment comes from. The first one is Deuteronomy 6, and we see here it's Leviticus chapter 19. We have to remember that loving God, listen to me carefully, this is important, that loving God cannot be separated from loving people. Can I get a good amen to that? Some of us are good at saying, I love God, but you are horrible at loving people. That's an oxymoronic statement that, that it's, it's a farce. It is untrue. You cannot love God and not love people. Some of you love people, but you don't love God. Because when you love people, sometimes it's for yourself. Because when you love people and they love you back, you feel good or you, you get respected. So there are a lot of self-centered reasons. But when you're able to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then you're able to love people. This is the reason why when there are unlovable people in your life, you have to spend time with God and loving him. If you don't, you're not going to be able to love people. I'm telling you right now, some of you are very loving people by nature. It will only last so long. Or you haven't met some unlovable people yet. I have met many in my lifetime. I'm just a little bit older than you. I have met many. And I'm thinking, Lord, if it wasn't for you, I will never be their friend. Lord, if it wasn't for you, I would never talk to that person. But you, you talk to me, Jesus. You love me. This is why the Ten Commandments, the first five is about our relationship with God. The last five is our relationship with one another. He summed it up well. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. The genuine experience of God will lead us to love our neighbor, to love people around us. How do you know this, Pastor? Well, when I do read the Bible, when, when I read it, it says so. First John chapter 4, verse 19 through 21. Let's read it. I'm going to read it from the, the Passion Translation. I think it just gives a fuller understanding of it. Listen to what it says. Our love for others is our grateful response. Everyone say grateful response. Man. That's, that's a whole sermon right there, that first phrase. I'm thinking of one thing right now and two points right now. Just right there. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love of God. Do you have a hard time loving someone in your life group? Don't, don't say yes. Don't raise your hand. Don't do anything. Just sit there and go, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The reason why you love them is because it is a response to God loving you. This is the reason why when you don't understand God's love for you, you will not love people. 
Because God first demonstrated to us. Anyone can say, I love God, yet have hatred towards another believer. This makes him a what? Say it. A phony. You fake. You masquerading person, you. Man, these are hard words. If you say you love God, but then you hate somebody, then you're a phony. Because if you don't love a brother or sister whom you can see, how can you truly love God whom you can't see? For he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also demonstrate love to others. Man, as I was thinking about this, I've been thinking how many people in our life group and just, in, just even in my own life that are just hard to love. And I'm thinking if I could think about how much God had to go to the extent to love me, which is dying on the cross, sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for me, I realized there is nothing that can stop me apart from my own selfishness and my own just like preference from loving people. You know what's even sad? or sadder, or more sad. It is when pre-Christians, those who don't know Jesus Christ and have experienced the love of Jesus Christ, love people more than us. That's the saddest part. This is the reason why pre-Christians hate the church. They hate Christians because we talk about God as love, but we don't love. We have all these rules and we have all these things. You got to be, you got to fix yourself up before you can come to church. That's just the opposite message of the gospel. How many times in scripture do you see even Jesus when all these sinful people that came to him, he didn't say, I can't talk to you. I'm a holy God. Don't you know I'm rabbi, rabbi G, J. <laughs> rabbi, rabbi J, don't, don't come near me. No. What did he say? He welcomed them. And even to the point when some of these Pharisees were bringing this woman, they're ready to stone her. I don't know what he wrote. He must have wrote a masterpiece down there. Every person. That's why they couldn't say anything to him because this man, this dude, is loving the wrong people, but he's still loving This is what I'm saying. It, it's frustrating. I, I see it in my own heart. So I'm frustrated at myself. I'm frustrated at our church. I'm frustrated at the big capital C church. Whenever I hear comments or different things that I'm like, man, how do you love people? And it, it's in a way that I don't see any difference from the world. That's why when I saw this picture, it really spoke to me. I want you to look at this picture. I wanted to let it soak in. This picture was captured by somebody who was there from the beginning. When this man who is kind of wrapped up with all these wires, he was about to jump and kill himself. He was literally about to commit suicide on this bridge. And then strangers, people didn't even know who he was, strangers started coming and trying to talk to him. 
and realized that this person is going to actually do it. So you know what? They, they started grabbing onto him, and they didn't, he was fighting them. So well, guess what he, they did? They got ropes. <laughs> Straps. Look at his knees. I don't know what that is. This one guy is latching something onto his belt. Sometimes you don't even have to say much. You just look at a picture like, wow. Just know the context and you're like, wow. Do you love people in this way? Look at some of the people in your life group, some of the people in your life who are struggling, going through things. Do you fight for them like this? To be able to say, I was just, I was where you were. I wanted to end my life. But I found a greater sense of peace and hope and purpose in Jesus Christ. Don't kill yourself. There's many reasons to live. To share about how you were just completely lost. But just through community that you were able to experience the love of God. Some of you have been through abuse. Physical, emotional, mental, sexual that you start experiencing healing because of the love of God. That you were able to forgive. Because you experienced God's forgiveness. So you're able to forgive. So then you can go to someone who's struggling with certain things that you went through. Or you might not even know what they're going through. But you can tell they have a spirit of bitterness and a lack of forgiveness. And you share from your life, as we talked about last week, our weaknesses. That's when we're made strong. To share what we've gone through. To give hope to other people. Why is this so important to our context in our community? This is the upside down community that we're talking about. This is the upside down community that will capture the attention of the world. Mike, uh, uh, Nelly wrote this uh, about the reality of the church. He writes this, the power of the church is not a parade of fault, faultless people, but of a faultless Christ who embraces our flaws. The church is not made up of the, of the whole people, rather of broken people who find wholeness in a Christ who was broken for us. Isn't that good? Amen. That's the gospel. This is the reason why we can be in community and love people, even though it's messy at times. We can still do this. The way we edify one another and serve one another will display the love of God. So once again, don't just be connected to community. Oh, I like coming out to a life group. But you got to commit in community about loving God and loving people. The second point is this that we must not only be committed to the great commandment, but we must be committed to the great commission. It's generally accepted that there are five great commission passages in the Bible. There's one in Matthew chapter 28, uh, Mark chapter 16, Luke chapter 24, John chapter 20, and Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So these are usually generally accepted by all scholars that these are five great commission passages in the Bible. Now, some of you might be thinking, why is it called the Great Commission? Which is a great question because if you don't know, 
When Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead, he spent 40 days here on this earth just meeting hundreds of people. People saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. And then right before he ascended into heaven, he gathered the disciples together near a mountain. And then he commissions them. He charges them. He commands them. And let me give you the dictionary definition of commission so it'll help you to understand. The Oxford Dictionary defines the word commission as this in three ways. It's an instruction, command, or duty given to a person or a group of people. Secondly, the authority to perform a task or certain duties. Third, a group of people officially charged with a particular function. So that's why when you read Matthew chapter 28, it makes sense why they call this the Great Commission. So let's read it together. Listen to what it says. It says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus speaking. And then he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. So here is the great commission. I want to read one more verse in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Many of you know this as well. It says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So in these two verses, I want you to notice something. And this is important as we talk about the Great Commission. The first is this, making disciples of all nations. Making disciples of all nations. We are given the authority from God to make disciples. And then it says, and I will be with you to the end of the day. God's going to be with us in this process of making disciples. I want you to also note, and you've probably heard this before, to keep in mind that the verb is not to go. A lot of times we think, oh yeah, we got to just go. But the verb in this sentence, if you study the structure of it, the verb is to make disciples. That's the verb. So what it means is that as you are going to the MTR, as you're going to work, as you're going to your dorm room, as you're going to your family, make disciples. And everything that you're doing as you're going, it is about baptizing, it is about teaching, it's about making disciples. It's the baptism. It is uh, going, baptism, and then teaching. So that's why evangelism is not about sharing the gospel. I'll share this more on two Sundays from now. But evangelism is not about just sharing the gospel and baptizing them and we're done. But it's about making disciples, which includes teaching, training, I want you to also note the word nations. Everyone say nations. nations. In the original language, the word nations is translated as ethne. That word ethne comes from that word what? Makes up the word ethnic. This is the reason why, or people groups, if you will. This is the reason why we have an international church. Can I get a good Amen. It's so funny, as soon as uh, some of these different pastors, I'm meeting different pastors, different leaders in the city, and as soon as they find out I'm a Korean-American, they always say, oh, you know, they, they think that we're a Korean church. And so I have to find the right time to correct them. 
sometimes it's kind of hard, but I, you know, I'm just like, oh, we're not a Korean church, you know? So, oh, you're a local church? I cannot speak Cantonese. I don't know, we're not. But we're an international church. And this is the reason why. Now, please don't misunderstand, because I think having a Chinese-speaking church is, is still needed. I think having a Korean-speaking church is needed. But when I keep on looking at the scriptures, not only all throughout the Bible, but especially in the book of Revelation, where it talks about all the people, tribe, nations gathered together, I don't know about you, but I want to get a head start. I want to reach nations. Look around you. Okay. <laughs> don't say anything. But if the person next to you is from their same region or area, Once again, like attracts like. But this is one of my passions. I would love to see our church more multi-ethnic, more multi-national. That's why I keep on saying, we need to see some darker skin. I'm not, I'm not going to pick on someone because... They're going to be too embarrassed. I love the continent of Africa. Somebody like, you do? Do you know why I love it so much? Because that was my first missions project ever in the history of my life. And that's where God met me so powerfully. It was in Kenya. It was in uh, Maasai land. It was so powerful, the things that we witnessed, the things that we saw. We lived in these dung huts, you know, poo huts. But I'm like, Lord, for you, Jesus. But now I'm like, Jesus, get me out, you know. We just love comfort as we get older. Man, I was willing to die. I'm like, this is awesome. I get to be in a cow dung a hut for Jesus. It, it made an impact in my life. That's why whenever I meet Africans from any country in Africa, like, I instantly feel this connection with them because that was the first time I experienced missions. Do you have some African friends? Some of you probably don't. I don't want to talk to them. They're in your workplace. They're in your classrooms. And if they're students, they're from other these African countries, and they're alone, they're by themselves, they're struggling with being away from home. What a great opportunity to share the love of Christ. But we just don't care. We love ourselves. Do you know which one is the most populous nation in the world? Something like, Ni hao, China. Well, China, you're going to come in second in about 10 years. It's going to be India. Brazil's coming up quick. We're talking about thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, billions, and it's going to get to a couple billion. Many of them who don't know Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you right now, some of you have been brought up in a racist home. I'm not racist. Yeah, right. You wait because there are a lot of stuff that comes out when you don't even know it. 
I realized that in my own heart when I was younger. Because my parents worked in the south side of Chicago, all black African-Americans. Little comments that my parents made. Little things that they would say and little things that they would do. Like, you, you just soak it all in. And I remember when I was in junior high, I made a comment to one of my African-American friends. And this person was shocked. I was shocked. You know, when you said something stupid, you're like... And I realized, man, it is so deeply inside of us. If you ever heard your parents make a comment about a certain race or a certain people group, I'm telling you right now, it is in you. I'm not a racist, Pastor. You just wait. Because we're depraved. That's why unless the Spirit of God internally transforms us, we're not going to be able to love people. We're not going to be able to obey this. That's why we need to keep on praying that we will see a church that is multinational, multi-ethnic, people from other nations coming in here. I don't care what people say to me. I know that this is something that is from the word. I have the Bible to back it up. So I'm not going to shy away from this. See, we all long for something that's comfortable. That's why I commend you, those who are local, like Uncle Roger. Praise the Lord, you're so local. But here you are in American speaking or English speaking, because it's not really British English, English speaking church. Do you know why? I, I'm not trying to patronize you in any way, but I genuinely mean it from my heart. I respect you. Because you can go to a Cantonese speaking church, but here you are feeling sometimes uncomfortable because you can't fully express yourself, even though your English is good, because your heart language is something that's different. Why are you even in our church? No, really. Why are, why are you, you know, why are you here? Sometimes I wonder. There's so many other comfortable churches that you can go to. But I want to believe you're here because you believe in the vision and mission. Can I get a good amen to that? That's why we're here. Do you know how many Indonesian churches there are? Right here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Now I'm trying to make a pact with Pastor Andrew and Pastor Eric. Yeah, I'll bring them, we'll bring them to the Lord, train them, and then send them back to Indonesia. And then you send the tithe over here to Hong Kong. The reason why I am not going to participate in an ethnic, just one ethnic church is because I believe in what the Bible says. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. I mean, of course, there might be like a Bible study in a particular language because language is a barrier at times. So I understand all that. But what I'm trying to say is I would love to see a church that is reaching the nation so that anyone that we reach out to, when they come here, they could feel at home. Can I get a good amen to that? Yes. And not only making nations, but multiplying disciples to reach nations. It's about global impact. That's why Acts 1.8, it says, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. One person cannot do this. You got to multiply the nations to reach the nations. You have to. 
That's why I love being in these types of cities or campuses on any, any university because the nations come here. And then as they experience God, they go back to their nation or other places. And that's how the world is going to be transformed. And like I said, I'll talk more about that in two weeks. Even Apostle Paul talks about this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. In the voice translation, it says, Whatever you heard me teach before an audience of witnesses, I want you to pass along to trustworthy people who have the ability to teach others too. So it's about multiplying yourself and multiplying disciples in your lifetime. So when we look at the early church, we see that they were committed and lived out these two aspects of being in community, the great commandment and the great commission. This is the reason why lives were being transformed and the church grew, because they were loving God, loving people, and they were making disciples, and they were multiplying disciples. It didn't just stay in Jerusalem, but it took, just look at the whole book of Acts. It literally went to the known world at that time. They transformed the world. This is where I'm going to try to bring into this culmination. Listen to me. The passage that we always talk about in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and 47, I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version to help amplify some of the thoughts and the key points. Listen to what it says. They were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instructions of the apostles and to fellowship, to eating meals together and to prayers. A sense of awe was felt by everyone and many wonders and signs attesting miracles were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed in Jesus as Savior were together and had all things in common, considering their possessions to belong to the group as a whole. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing the proceeds with all the other believers as anyone had need. Day after day, they met in the temple area, continuing with one mind and breaking bread in various private homes. They were eating their meals together with joy and generous hearts, praising God continually and having favor with all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the church, the community that the early church were a part of and they experienced. And I'm wondering, is this our church? Are we experiencing this? And I'm thankful that I could lead a church that I believe that we see glimpses of some of these things. But the question is, wouldn't it be awesome if we experienced more of it? Like this will literally flip the world upside down if people were able to just experience this type of community. In fact, Tim Keller, he wrote, and listen to what he says. He was talking about the early church. He writes this. The early church was strikingly different. So it flipped upside down. It was completely different from the culture around it in this way. The pagan society was stingy with its money and promiscuous with their body. A pagan gave nobody their money and practically gave everyone their body. And the Christian came along and gave practically nobody their body and gave practically everyone their money. Huh, amen? Literally, the believers lived so differently from the world that the People in the first century is like, who are you guys? Who are you guys? What is motivating you to live like this? You're so radically different, but it's good. Because you know there's radically different and bad, right? You are so radically different and it's something that I desire, something that I want. And this is what we wanted to see in the, the first century church in this 21st century. 
is a church that is radically living kingdom values so differently from the world. That's why Acts chapter 20 or 2, verse 42 to 47, this was one of the key passages that started our church back in 1996. This is why when you look at our overall statements in our church, you will notice that we're trying to live out the book of Acts. Now, some of you who have already been members or you are members right now, you know some of the statements that we have. But let's just review, just think about the early church and then this is what we're trying to do. That's why our vision is what? The vision is to multiply churches. Come on, let's say it together. Multiplying churches in campuses and cities to transform the next generation among the nations. Every single part of that phrase and every part of that word is significant to what we try to do and the whys of what we do. That's our vision. So what is our mission? That is something that we're trying to strive for. But what are we doing right now? Our mission statement is this. Let's read it together. To transform lost people into Christ's disciples who will then transform the world. That's what we're trying to do right now. That's why when we have Sundays, that's why when we have life groups, we're trying to see God transform your life in such a way that you will be equipped to transform the world. And our strategy, some of you guys probably don't even know what our strategy is. Like, how are we going to do this? Well, it's simply the three-step. We gather, grow, and go. So what are we doing right now? We're gathering. And I'm hoping you will be growing, getting trained. And then you will what? To a restaurant here and give them a lot of business, you know? <laughs> I've been doing something that some people are like freaking out when I do, but I just been really convicted. I was, I was talking to some of these other pastors and stuff. Like when you pray for the food at a restaurant, also pray for the workers and their families to be blessed. Why? Because you're not just thankful for the food, but you're praying for blessings over that establishment so that your city, your neighborhood can be blessed. And so we gather on, on Tuesday. How many Tuesday life group people? Raise your hand. Okay. How many Wednesday people? <laughs> Learning the mistakes of the Tuesday people. Okay. So <laughs> what happens on Tuesday and Wednesday? We yes. gather and then we and then we can you get it. When you do LCG, if you've ever did cheerleading in a high school or whatever, you come up with something, okay? All right. Let me just say this. I, I want to try to bring this so close here. One thing that we haven't been emphasizing as much is that we sh what is our motivation of when it comes to community? I think many of us kind of know it. We called it the five E's. How many of you guys heard of the five E's before, right? But it's really interesting when I say, well, what, what is that one E? They go, ah, extension. When you extend. Edificate, edify, yeah. When you just glorify, magnify, amplify. I don't know, right? So. We have words, but you don't know what it means. So I got convicted recently, and I said, we're going to put phrases to this so that you will understand what each of the five E's are. So this is new. None of you heard it. Only maybe a handful, because you've been hanging out with me. I've been talking about this a lot. But recently, I've been very convicted about this, that we, this is our motivation to do community in the five E's. 
So I'm going to go over it really quickly now. You'll probably go over this in life group this coming week. And then you're going to also be remembered on this for other things. No, you're not going to be tested. So relax. I know it's Asia. You're going to test it for everything. But it's okay. All right. God loves you. Turn to someone and say, God loves you. Okay. God loves you. Here we go. The first G is what? Evangelism. So you're thinking evangelism. Well, what is it? Here's a phrase. It's a pithy, succinct, very short, and everyone could remember. It's kind of like, do you know a Bible verse? Did you memorize one? Yeah, I have memorized one. Which one is it? This is from the book of John. Which one is it? Jesus wept. Amen. <laughs> it's, it's kind of in that vein, you know? Or 1 Thessalonians, pray continually. I like that verse too. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So evangelism, and it's a phrase is this. Found people, find people. Remember, we didn't find Jesus because Jesus wasn't lost. He found us. When you are found by Jesus and you understand this gospel message, you're going to want to find people. Can I get a good amen to that? If you haven't been found yet, you're not going to be able to find people. Are you with me? But if you've been lost and you've been found, then you're going to want to find other people so those who are lost can also be found. That's evangelism in a succinct way. Found people, find people. The next one is edification. So what is this edification? Edification is love people, love people. Come on now. You cannot do the one another's, encourage one another, do all the stuff. If you yourself, you don't understand it. You haven't experienced God's love. The people who are the best in edifying are the people who experience it and now they do it to other people. So loved people, if you have been loved by God, you understand that you're going to want to love people. The third one is education. It's about learning, growing, training. So it's disciple people, disciple people. Some of you who are probably not discipling, you haven't been discipled. I'm pretty, I'm 100% sure. I can be that confident. Because it's only when you've been discipled, you realize, wow, this is helping me to grow. And that you're going to want to do that to other people. So disciple people, disciple people. We are all called to make disciples. So if you haven't been discipled, get discipled this year. The fourth one is extension. And it's simply serve people, serve people. That we have been served by God. He has served us. Just like Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. And then there have been people in your life who have served you, loved you. Then you're going to want to serve. So when you think about how blessed you are, you want to be a blessing. This is the reason why you want to get involved in a ministry team because you've been blessed. Somebody has served you. Now you want to serve. The seat you're sitting on, someone set that up. You don't think about it. I don't think about it. I just plop my butt on there and I'm like, hey. But then you realize, oh, someone set this up. So you should. No, I'm kidding. But you know, just that idea. Someone set this up. Someone served, and I want to serve. And lastly, exaltation, inspired people, inspire people. Because when you look at Acts chapter 2, it says they were in awe. They were inspired by the majesty and the glory of God. And now how they live their lives, they inspire other people. That's why Romans 12 talks about that, doesn't it? It says, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to Him, for this is your spiritual act of worship. This idea that when we have been inspired by God because we see who He is, then we're going to live our lives in such a way as a, as a worship 
exaltation that we glorify and exalt God and God alone. So once again, evangelism, let's say this together. Can we just say this all together? Evangelism is what? Found people, find people. Edification? Love people, love people. Education? Extension and exaltation. So the one thing, once again, don't just be connected to community, but be committed in community. I'm just going to quickly highlight a couple things for us and then just release us to have our lunch and also hopefully have the Transformers sphere, the opportunity where you can meet different people from your sphere and be a part of mission of what God is doing. Uh, first of all, if I could think about this message and say, don't just be connected to community, but be committed in community. The first thing I want you to really apply this in your life is be an owner and not an observer. You got to own your life group. Oh, it's the leaders. No, own it. If you've any of you who are entrepreneurs or you've been in a business setting, like you know the difference between an owner and someone who's just an employee and just someone who watches. Yeah, you just do your little job and that's it. You don't care about where the direction of this is going. You got to own it. I pray there will be greater ownership. And that's when you're going to actually see greater movement of community in your life. Go own it. Don't just give it to the leaders. Don't just give it to the committed people. Every single person. That's why if you look at the Bible, when every single person was committed to this community, they owned it. That's where transformation happened. The second thing is this. Be a supporter and not a spectator. Support it. Whatever way you can. Some of you are like, "Ah, I'm just tired. But do you know by you showing up, you're literally supporting the life group? Just showing up. Be a supporter. Find ways. Hey, is there anything I can do? Support it. There's a difference between just being someone who's a spectator, just kind of watches from the sideline, and someone who is supporting it. The third thing is this. Be a contributor and not a consumer. Man, this is a whole sermon in and of itself. But all I'm saying is this. Learn how to contribute your time, your treasure, and your talents. Don't just consume. Don't just take. Some of you who are just new, we don't mind you receiving. Because you're new. You're checking things out. But once you say, this is the church for me, and you're rooted in there, then learn how to give. Give of your time. Give of your talents. Give of your resources for the glory of God. And lastly, be a participant and not a passerby person. Be a participant and not someone who just passes by. That means that you're going to get involved. And one of the things that I want to highlight for us is this thing that we have called Transformosphere. Uh, Grady shared a little bit about it, so I'm not going to talk too much, but I want to highlight a website for you. Some of you already know about this, but I want all of us, if you can, there's a QR code right there. If you could just scan that and you could look at it later, but I'm just going to talk about this really briefly and bring it to a close here as we respond to God. The thing that we're trying to do is that we believe that the, every society, every city, every nation has different spheres that literally impact the, the place. And there are seven that we believe that are so important to a city like Hong Kong. And that's why what we're trying to do is help you to get involved. I just wanted to highlight a couple of them. Uh, I think we asked them, right, if it would be okay. So I don't want to embarrass them. But there were so many in there, so you could check it out later. But uh, just like uh, I just asked some of these people, like, give me a couple of people who, you know, will be good to just highlight. So 
because I could have chosen all of you because I'm trying not to show favoritism, okay? I did not choose this. Someone else, people, okay? Pastor, you don't love me. My picture was there. I looked really good in that picture. Self-centered, self-centered, self-centered. Just settle down, okay? So I didn't choose these. These were recommended to me. I just trusted them. And so the first one is, here's our website. Okay, we will, uh, so here's the charge. You can check it out, right? Uh, okay, we have Sam Lin. Yeah, can we just leave it on his profile? Look at his picture. My God. Look at that Taiwanese man. Oh, all right. Let's, let me, here's a profile, the things that they responded to. Uh, how do you see, the, uh, see that the gospel is or could be transforming your sphere, industry, or workplace? And he responded by saying, I feel like the gospel can bring out the true love that connects people all across the world. With the gospel, I want to see that people can be connected through this medium and can understand what true love is. So he's going to use art, doing anime, and doing all this stuff to be able to communicate God's love. What an awesome, like, like I said before, I, I think I mentioned to you that uh, Billy Graham, the greatest evangelist, he said the next evangelist might be an artist in this coming generation. So to see people in the art industry, it's, it's just exciting to see. And then the next person, who do we have here? Wow, look at all these. Rebecca Lin. From Hong Kong, you. She's an English tutor. Let, let's let's just scroll up a little bit, and maybe the last question or second to last question. Um, it says, "How can you? How do you think you or others in your field can shine the light of Christ in your sphere, which is the education field?" And it says, "My center is partnering with some churches in Hong Kong to tutor students from grassroots families." The aim is to increase social mobility and ensure that every student has a chance to achieve their dreams. Even though I'm not the one teaching the students, I contribute through making the teaching material. Through my work, I want to bring Christ's love and hope to all students in Hong Kong, even though they might not come from the best families. I hope the students know they matter and that people care about them. Amen. That's great stuff. To be able to see even this field that you're doing with your work. And this is our hope and prayer. All of you who are in the workplace, Get on this website, talk to some of these guys, even just talk to some of our leaders and get your profile up there. We want to see as many people getting connected together. Those of you who are college students, you're studying something that you're going to go into some of these fields. Go into that sphere and then click onto it and find out who's in there. Make some connections. I pray that that will happen even today. Amen? Come on, let's stand together as we close. I'm just going to ask us if we could just bow our heads for a moment. And I, I'm, I'm just going to release you in that anointing of God to, as we think about community. We don't do life groups just because it's a nice thing to do. We have nothing else to do. But it's such a vital part to experiencing transformation. That's why we believe in this. That's why we believe in life group. That's why we believe that life change happens in life group. You get to practice how to love people. You get to practice how to serve people. In fact, I, 
It'll prepare you for marriage, believe it or not. It'll prepare you for the workplace, believe it or not. There's going to be people you don't like. There's going to be people that get on your nerves. But you do it because you think about God's love for you. It's just God's design. He made us for community, to be in community. That means we have to be committed to it. Let's just not make it into another church thing, another meeting that we have to go through, but let's make this an anchor throughout the week that this is what I need. Maybe it's an LCG for some of us. But let's make it an anchor where we can say, I want to be in community, connected to community, but yet committed in community so that I can live out the great commandment and the great commission of loving God, loving people, making disciples, and multiplying disciples. I pray that your life groups will do that every single week. Man, if we do that, we're going to see lives being changed. We're going to see people coming in and hearing about what God is doing, and they want to be a part of it. We have never set out to be the largest church in Hong Kong. That was not our desire. In fact, I've shied away from it because with bigger church comes a lot of other issues. And that's my own selfishness, not want to face some of these things. But God is in control of our church. And if he happens to grow it, then we say, God, Lord, let it be. We're going to raise more pastors. We're going to raise up more leaders. We're going to raise up more people. But Lord, have your way in us. I pray by the Spirit of God that every single one of us in, in the, hearing my voice right now, that you will commit to being in community, this upside-down community that will transform the world so that we will see one more person not only being set free from bondage, one more person coming to know the love of God, one more person getting baptized, one more person experiencing true transformation, one more person being sent out to make a difference in the world. Let's commit to this. Let's ask God for his help. Let's not be a spectator. Let's not just be someone who passes by. Let's not just be an observer. But let's own this. Let's participate in this. Let's support this. Whatever it takes, Lord. We want to be this community. Not for ourselves, but because there are, there's a lost world who needs Jesus Christ. And we're always better together. Can I get a good amen to that? We're always better together. Instead of doing evangelism on your own, it's always better together. You reach out. You share the gospel with them through your life. And then you say, you know what? It's not just me. There's other people who love this Jesus too. And do it together. All your planning of activities, whether it's a hot pot, I don't know, a, a hike, whatever it is, may it be because you want people to experience this community. So, Lord, I pray for every single person right now in the name of Jesus. And I ask of you that your Holy Spirit will anoint us as a church, every single one of us, to be able to commit to the great commandments and the great commission. Lord, it is something that you have told us to do, and we want to obey you. I pray that you will start with us in our own lives. May we experience the gospel and be transformed by it because we know it is true. It is life to us, Lord that we were dead in our sins, but you made us alive in you. And that is why we want to live and to love those who have yet to experience the love of Jesus Christ. Use us, O oh Lord God. May we not be alone. May we do it together. I just pray for blessings over 
just these transformation, uh, uh, sphere groups that will be meeting this afternoon. I pray there will be connections, Lord. There will be great discussions, ideas generated, creativities being released to think of ways so that we can really use our gifts, our talents, our experiences to make an impact for your namesake. Lord, I pray that we don't know how long, even if it takes 10, 20 years, we want to see Hong Kong better than when we first came here in 2015. We want to see the, the whole water level rise up, people of God rising up, and we're going to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, that we want to shine brightly for you. So start in our community first. Branch out, Lord, to the other parts of Hong Kong, in our schools, in our workplaces, every single neighborhood, so that every life can be touched by the grace of God. We thank you. We love you. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.